Yeah. Yeah, old school. That's what I'm talking about. Listen, this ain't for everybody. Some of y'all need to hear this. Huh. I know you're in the trenches fighting, but check it out. I'm going to put it down like this so I can help the saints understand. Everything you're going through is all part of the master plan. Or what? You thought because you got saved everything was going to be peaches and cream? You better wake up, son. Don't nothing come to a sleeper but a drink. Faith without works is dead. Read your Bible. You know what it says. He who don't work, don't eat. Blackers don't get fed. Huh, yeah. Jesus said he who puts his hands to the pile looks back the same ain't fit. Some of y'all ain't been in the trenches five minutes and you're about ready to quit. I ain't mad at you. I'm just hitting you with the real. <laughs> if you die for me and I was still tripping, now how you think that make you feel? Check this out. Deep game. This here's deep. Huh? Some of y'all ain't sawing nothing but you're stuck at trying to reach. Huh? But after him who's able to possess your father by his glory. Struggles might be part of your testimony, but it ain't the end of the story. Now the point is this prophesied way back in the day. Quiet, sing your hook right here and see if the church can relate. Say I can answer every question, but it'll be fun to start trying. 
Well, nothing beats a failure but a try, right? Exactly. Yeah, How are you? I'm fine, man. I'm doing well, considering all things. How about yourself, sir? Yeah, it's uh, it's the most unique time in the world. Although I, uh, you know, there are many other times if you if you put a a stamp on the on the timeline that are interesting, but this is certainly one of them. Oh, that goes without saying because I've never been here before. <laughs> None of us. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, so, some of our seniors see, they say, well, you know, I can remember the time when it reminded me so much like this, but, you know, I can't say that uh, in my lifetime. Uh, you know, polio, time frame, I remember seeing, when this first started, I remember someone telling me that Elvis Presley was a poster child for getting the vaccine early in the days of polio. And, uh, and and many people didn't want to take the polio vaccine for, for probably the same reasons people aren't wanting to do it today. And so there's some similarities there. There's the, the Black Plague, you know, where people had no idea what would happen. There's some similarities there. But I don't think I've – we've never seen a global pandemic before. That's true. That's so very true. I just hope uh, in another couple years or so they don't come back talking about uh, the vaccines that they pushed on everybody. <laughs> oh Well, there's many things. I mean, uh, there, there are so many different places you can go with, with the uh, science fiction component of, of A, <laughs> what we were administered. But B, right. here's the fascinating part, which is kind of sad. The fact that it happened once means it could certainly happen again. And so that's uh, and what do we have? What will happen next time? Because some of the some of the characteristics of the deployment was not actually up up to speed. So what what's going to happen next time when uh, when the CDC says, hey, we should do the following, or when governments uh, give the following mandates? What, what's going to happen to you know the population in terms of pushing back? And so I don't know. I guess it's. Uh, it's a unique world, and I believe credibility. Uh, the way I the way I define it, the way I talk about it, it's about it's about being human. It's about doing the right thing, not just for yourself, which many people do. And I think that was part of the industrial age. We were taught to do the right thing for ourselves, but it's to do the right thing for your family and to do the right thing for the people around you. Now, that's heavy right there because I, just with the statement that you made, um, my mind automatically went to do the right thing, and different individuals see doing the right thing differently. How do you deal with that? That is <laughs> – I, you know, I kind of threw up a lob. I just threw something up in the air, and I'm like, I wonder if he's going to catch this one. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's a it's a really interesting question, and I uh, do you mind if I I'm going to spend a, a minute or two doing a really go broad it, answer, brother. and then we'll go in and answer your big question. So, go a lot of people have said. So I interviewed 500, 500 thought leaders on credibility, 
And and now I've defined it. There are there are it's a much broader definition than what we have in the dictionary today. And what's fascinating to me is is I still have people I have some people say to me, Mitchell, why is credibility important? And and so my response is, Well, why is breathing air or drinking water important? But I'd probably give you a better answer than that. Um and then other people say, Mitchell, why not integrity or why not authenticity? And so I wanted to I wanted to explain that integrity and authenticity without a framework isn't necessarily a good thing. Somebody could be have integrity to say what they want to say and mean what they say, or authenticity is they are authentically, and now fill in the blank, someone could have the integrity and the authenticity to be an absolute asshole and do bad things to the world, and they are both authentic and have integrity to do that, that's not necessarily the right thing, right? So integrity and authenticity by itself is not a good thing. That said, when, when I said people need to do the right thing, you know, probably the best words I could give for that is a component of credibility, which is servant leadership. And that is have the intent and commitment to do the right thing, which is meaning being of service to others. And, and others doesn't mean uh, a select few. Others are those people who, who actually, uh, I don't know, if they breathe air, I guess that's others. I'm glad you kind of clarified that part because I know somebody out there somewhere said, well, I do the right thing for me and mine, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm doing the right thing for you and yours. Well, it's an interesting question, right? And I, I don't know if I – I, don't, I, I could actually say I know I don't know all the right answers. What I can say is if one of the components, one of the tenets of the, this, uh, we've, I created Credibility Nation, Credibility Nation has a pledge. And in thinking about the pledge, it's the best thing I could think about in terms of how do we, how do we live our lives and how can I, how can I create so my this is by the way really fun. Late Saturday night one night. Mitchell. You know, I'm sitting Mitchell, around can, with my chief content. Yeah. Mitchell, can I throw a religious component in doing the right thing? Can I throw a religious component in there? Oh, or, sure, no, not sure. religious. Me, but maybe me, maybe spirit maybe maybe me, spiritual because where I was stuck I'll come at back, like, I'll come back to the I'll come back to the pledge. So yeah, go ahead, please. Okay. No, because my thought was, you know, when we're talking about doing the right thing, that's relative to each individual because everybody might not feel like doing the right thing is the same as what you and I do. But then I was just thinking uh, if there's a spiritual component there somewhere, that would kind of like narrow that little road as far as what could be right. Does that make mm. sense? Yeah, why don't you, if you don't mind, you want to elaborate a little bit more? I, I think I, I think I understand what you just said, but fill in the blanks. Well, if there is a spiritual element to that, uh, uh, no matter what your beliefs may be, would help guide you or blueprint what is right. Because some people say, well, man, your right is not my right. My right is like this. And there could be argumentative all around the globe in terms of what's relative to that individual, what they perceive to be is right. But if there's an underlying spiritual element to that, seem like maybe that would help focus or, you know what I'm saying, direct what right could be instead of being right just all over the place. Yeah. It, and, and by the way, this is going to have to be 
I'm going to have to spend a lot of time thinking about this, and I'm going to jump on my right, podcast. Come back to that. Yeah, come on, come and on. the question yeah, is, what is right? But, but let's, let's, let me give you one fundamental tenet. It is there is no hate in what's right, and you are okay. of service to others, right, okay. which is just uh, that, that by the way, fundamentally is the pledge. Let me tell you the pledge. So, you know, listen, credibilitynation.com, I have a pledge. Let me tell you what it is, and then – Maybe this is right. Maybe it's not, it's not enough. The pledge says that I pledge to live credibly every day without hate in my life. I strive to be a good human and make this a better planet for myself, my family, and other people's families in this generation and the next. Kind of simple. Essentially, no heat, no hate at all in servant leadership. I'm asking, what are you thinking? My mind is my mind is asking the question now. Who do you uh, who are you saying is leadership? Hmm. Isn't it everybody? Mm-hmm. In that particular scenario, isn't that everybody? Isn't it? Isn't it a mom um, or a dad who is being of service to their family? Right. Isn't it a the president of a company? Isn't it isn't it the person who is at the lowest rung of the of the totem pole inside of a company, but their leadership is to make sure the client is as happy as possible, no matter you know what right. it takes to make that happen, right? I I think it's I think isn't it when you wake up in the morning you decide what life you're gonna you're gonna live today, isn't that leadership? Yeah. It's the conscious efforts that you make to, at the end of the day, whether the end of the day is a single day or the end of the day is, is you're sitting on your deathbed, that you actually say to yourself, man, I, I did everything I could. I, I contributed as much. I was as helpful and supportive and of service to other people as I can, and I'll be remembered by my actions in a positive way by those who I affected. I don't know if we could ask for anything more in life. No, that's definitely a good thing to ask for and try to be the best person that you could possibly be every day. Yeah. By the way, this is a very interesting conversation. I've not had this conversation before. (laughs) Well, that's a good one. (laughs) That's a good one. Well, Mitchell, you've interviewed what? 500 thought leaders on on credibility and what have you learned? You know, it is, I I think it was shocking some of the statistics that came out. What, What I learned, though, is the simplicity of what credibility can be. Uh, And what it, most of the time, people don't put their arms around it. So, Let's look at the the dictionary definition of the word credibility. And what it says today, it's a quality in which you're trusted. So let me tell you where that definition came from. Uh, In your world, it came from the music producers who told us who we were going to listen to. In my world, it came from the publishers who told told us who we were going to read and the broadcast media who told us what actors we were going to watch. That was before the Internet. And so what these guys did, what the recording studios did, what the book publishers did, is they said, 
hey, here's your thought leader. You should trust them. They have credibility. And if they have credibility, they're the people you should, you should hire and, by the way, buy their books so we can make money. That's where the definition, in my mind, of where credibility came from. So what is it today when everyone has the Internet, everyone has the ability, a, a camera and a microphone, to be able to reach anyone else in the world? It's the quality in which you are known, not that I know of you, but that I know you. It's the quality that I know who you are, the quality that I actually like you, and the quality that I trust you. So the definition in the dictionary today is only one-third accurate, and if you want to be successful in life, you need to make sure that people get to see you, and when they see you, they know who you are and what you stand for and what your service is to others. And the truth is, if you have two people you could do business with and one you like and one you don't like, you're going to do business with a person you like. And so it's important to sort of follow those principles that mom and grandma and, and you learned when you were young, and that is to, to do right onto others, to, to get people to, to essentially get to know who you are and what your values are and, and, and be, be polite and kind and all those silly things, right? And so, so let me give you, a, by the way, so the definition of credibility is the quality in which people know you, the quality that they like you, and the quality that they trust you. And, uh, and I did a TED Talk on that topic. I've got a book on that topic, and we've got a community. And the goal is to encourage people to sort of show up as themselves. Does that, that doesn't sound too hard, does it, to show up as yourself, to be the real you when you meet people? Nope, but I had a question for you. Why do you think society is uh, lacking so much of credibility these days? Yeah. Uh, there are way too many answers to 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 do that, but I I'll give you a, I'll give you a big for those of you that uh, just go to go to YouTube or go to TED it's, and, it's, and, and it's, it's your fault, Mitchell, for making these thoughts pop into my head. I just want you to know that. No, I I listen. I I love it. This is fantastic. So go to YouTube, go to TED, type in Mitchell Levy TED Talk, watch the TED Talk, and you'll get an answer more robust than I did. But the simple thing that I said is the reason why we have – by the way, what I did is I defined credibility and, and specifically credibility nation on one side of the spectrum, and, and, and we're absolutely not perfect, right? That's, nobody can be perfect. It is just a way in which we would want to strive to live. And then I needed an arch rival, a nemesis. And so I came up with a nemesis, and I called that nemesis dubious nation. I didn't want to have a real-life person, place, or thing. So I, I call the opposite of credible dubious. And what I'll say is the reason why people are more and more dubious, the reason why we are becoming more and more inhumane is because somebody has tried something. It works. It may be dubious. It may be wrong, but it works. And so we continue to propagate the type of teachings that work, but they may not be right from a perspective of being good and kind to other humans, right? And, and so the classic example is all those people who tell you, hey, you could, you could live on a beach. Just give me money. I'll create a tunnel for you, and, and uh, you, you could sit back and do no work and, and, and live a life of luxury. And if you want to buy that, and many people do, you're propagating dubious behavior, and, 
And with this concept of the internet, people get to do that more and more. And so, you know, we're just, uh, I think a lot of it is, is, is people are taking advantage of others and we're letting it happen. People are showing their true colors and we let it happen. And, and occasionally, you know, people stand up where there's a CEO who does something that people are uncomfortable with and there's a boycott of the company, right? There's occasionally there are CEOs that have been ousted from the job for things that they've done. Um, you know, when you take a look at a lot of the movements, those things happen. But they're one-off solutions, not not a, a bigger a bigger focus on, on humanity. It seems like credibility is a is a thing that takes a while in a person's career, or should I say, life to 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 garner or to 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 become creditable. But but you could lose that at a drop of a dime. Why is that? Well. I'm going to argue with your first statement because I have to tell you, I think when we're born, we're born, maybe we're born innocent or maybe we're born credible because when we're born, we, we immediately know what, or we think we know what we like and we don't like. And when there's something that we like, we'll ask for it. And then we'll say, thank you if we're taught properly to, to do it. And it's, and then we start, all of a sudden we start getting taught things like imagine a parent, you know, when they're taking you to the movie theaters, when we used to go to movie theaters, and tells their kid, hey, lie about your age so I can get the kid price. Well, there goes that lie. Introduction of, uh, there goes some lying. There goes some dubiousness. Um, yeah. You know, to answer your question on, on we can lose credibility, uh, even the nature of the question, I want to change the, your thought process a little bit. Credibility is not a, a, a flip of a switch. You just don't get it one day and, and you're there and, and you don't just – you could lose it one day. So I do agree with that. If, but for most people who are not on the world stage, you know, where credibility is important is, is in the community of those people who need to know about you. So, for instance, if you're a music producer – and and or a music publisher and you're you're making sure music gets out there, you want to make sure those people who have a proclivity for that style in music is aware of who you are and what you do. Uh, but Correct. the world doesn't need to know about you. Right? It's you know, for the people who would never ever get interested in your type of music, you don't really need to reach them. Um if you're a uh, if you have a restaurant Unless you have an online business where you need some form of online business, you typically have a geographical area. You don't need to reach people in other states or other countries, right? And so we, we often – I think where my mind's been heading recently is we've been told that bigger is always better. We've been told that the larger the company we run and that our goal is to start a company and one day it's going to do amazingly well. You know, I've been thinking more and more. How cool would it be for any family business to generate enough money, the family lives well, and then when the, the, the parents who have created the, the business or, or have been running the business for a while, when they, when they decide to retire, they pass it on to the kids and the kids keep it going. And, and why would that business need to, need to make more money than, than what they need to do? So whether or not that's a million a year or less than 10 million a year or whatever that number is, 
But all of a sudden, we're, we're taught, oh, we need to grow. We're not growing fast enough. We're not doing enough. And I, you know, it's a, it, it, this is a new thought that's been coming to my mind. And it's simply, when is enough? Right? And, and what, how do we define success? So to answer your question, uh, it takes a while to build credibility. I don't think so. I think you and I got on the phone and we're talking to each other, right? And if I said something, if I promised you something, and and then I, you know, uh, the next day I sent it to you or delivered or, or within a couple of minutes of getting off the phone, I sent you something, you know, I'm reinforcing credibility. If I don't, if I promise you something and don't deliver it, doesn't mean I'm not credible. Something else could have cropped up. But if I do that a couple of times, I start losing credibility in your eyes, right? And, and so I think it's the common reinforcement of you delivering on your promises, which is a component of, of, of uh, credibility, integrity, um, to say stuff that you mean versus to authentically say, if, if you said something and I disagree with you, but I say, oh, I agree with you, that's me being inauthentic. That's me being not credible. That's me losing my credibility in your eyes because if I'm – if I'm apparently giving you what you need to say, what do I say to people who are friends of yours, right? And so I think it's, I think the, the, the version of credibility Hello? I'm back. Yeah, I was muted, 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 and unmuted. Was I talking too much? <laughs> no, 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 no. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. I it, it was. Uh, tell me. Uh, I'll stop chatting for a second. How how does that resonate? Because you asked me a question and I I answered it, but I didn't answer it the way you thought. No, it wasn't a question of how I thought. I you know I just want to hear what you thought, not what I think. You know what I mean? So, no. <laughs> you <answered> it. <laughs> no, you you answered it fine. Why do you say that we were taught wrong to lead with value proposition? Uh, explain proposition. I'm not sure I even understand that part. Ah. You know, the what happens when you and I, or maybe not you, maybe, maybe so, or when most people meet each other in some form of business setting, actually sometimes even in personal settings, What's the first words when people say they, they kind of, you know, they, they might look at each other, shake somebody's hand and say, who are you? What do you do? Right? Does that sound, is that, is that a typical scenario for you or does, does those sort of things not happen? It, it's, it's a typical scenario for me, but I'm one of the guys that pause too, but I don't know if it's for the same reason that some of my listeners pause, but uh, I, I start thinking to myself uh, the number of things that I, that I do and I try to formulate it in a manner to explain it to them so they would get it. Hmm. That makes sense. And what do you what do you normally say? Can I ask you? And then I, I mean, I'll answer your question. I'm curious. What do you what do you normally since you brought it up that way? What do you normally say? Nine jobs between a, a producer, talk show host, actor. I I I go through the whole thing, but it's all entertainment, you know, related. To the normal things that I do pretty much on you know a daily basis, which is my life, you know, like 
I can't say I work at a steel foundry or the supermarket because those would be simple answers, but that's not who I am and what I do. So usually it takes me a minute to respond, not that I don't have a answer, but then I try to put it all together in a concise way so they'll get it. You know, I'm so glad you said that because, you know, one of the things we could do is we could work on making it a concise way that you can do it in one to three seconds. Right. So that's something we could work on. All right. So that's one of the things that happens. What was interesting, let me, let me, I'm going to pick on you for a second because you said, I want to figure out how Let me I, throw this at you too. Let me throw this at you too yeah. because now we're going, now we're yeah. going to jump back on your credit, credibility thing because if you don't, uh-huh. and depending on who you're speaking to, depending on how I answer that stuff could bring up a credibility question because that person think, well, is this guy telling the truth or do I need to go Google him or is he just talking out of the side of his neck? You know what I mean? Exactly. So, uh, <laughs> so, so all that goes into no, that ha- half of that goes into that half a second, a second longer for the response come to that person in terms of what do you do? I I am so uh, yep we're we're on the same page in terms of our our thought process in terms of thinking it through. So what 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 we've been trained, what people have trained us to do is to come up with, people call it a value proposition. Other people call it your 30-second elevator pitch. It typically starts with something like, I do this or we do that. And, and so, you know, it, uh, you know it, 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 if I'm giving it for uh, a typical, uh, you know, music publishing company, you know, we, you know, we work with, with artists and we help produce their content in such a way where we bundle it up into recording and then we sell it for them profit. I mean, it's, that's along the lines of what people typically say. What I'd like to encourage, <coughs> excuse me, is that we actually say something different, that we actually say, um, and, and at a very high level, who do we serve? And I, the way I look at it, I call it the CPOP, that customer point of pain. At a really high level, who do you serve and what is the pain point that you're addressing? And I have to tell you, I've interviewed over, at this stage, 588 people, and there's always a single CPOP at a very high level. And that can change over time, that customer point of pain. You can call it customer point of pleasure. You can call it credibility proposition. What happens when you start a sentence, when somebody says, what do you do? And you start a sentence with, I do this or we do that. One of the things that sometimes happens for a select group of people who I interviewed is they, they put on their salesperson protector. It's sort of like uh, having a, a Google ad blocker, right? When you go to a computer, some people put on ad blockers so they don't see any sales messages. Well, there are some humans who have salespeople blockers. Right? And when you start with I or we, they're like, wait, what's this person trying to sell me? And they don't hear the next words out of your mouth. So what I like to think about, what I want people to, to, to think about putting is what is, what, at a high level, who do you serve? Like what is the audience you serve? And what is your pain point you address? So, so I'll just tell you mine. At a really high level, uh, my CPOP is humans that want to be seen as credible. 
right? It's that particular one is both a pain point and a and a pleasure point, right? It's what it, hey, I'm a human. I want to be seen as credible. Then, to to a broad extent, you're you're my target market, but as you can imagine, that's a pretty broad target market. So so what I'm doing for the rest of this year in terms of credibility nation is I'm specifically focusing on smaller businesses. And small businesses are defined anywhere between, you know, one to a hundred employees. So for, for credibility nation, uh, this the the customer point of paying the CPOP, small businesses who feel invisible. And what's really cool about something that's so short is, first of all, I didn't say I or we. I didn't try to sell you anything because I don't. All I'm trying to do is articulate what space I plan. Because if you could sit back and go, hey, that's me, or that actually is somebody in my family or a friend who has that, that CPOP, then there's the next natural word that comes out of their mouth the next natural statement is, oh, that's interesting. Tell me more. And then you're given permission to share a little bit more. Right? So what I'd say, if you're, if you're in that room again, what I consider you thinking about next time is overall, what is that? If you, if you, should we play with your CPOP live? Are you okay with that? Sure. So who is it that you serve overall? At a, at a larger level, you know, if you take all the stuff that you do, who is it that you serve? Oh, right now at my age, pretty much myself. Say that again because I didn't – yeah, say it again. I kind of think uh, uh, myself because I've served kind of like everybody else in the world for a whole lot of years. Ah, all right. Well, let's let's let me ask you a different question. Because who who's your audience? Who is it that benefits from the stuff that you do? Right now, all the listeners that listen to my various shows, because I get to interview people such as yourself. Okay. And what is it you want to accomplish with all that? Well, I think what helping people. I can cut that one real short. Helping people. I, I feel good being a service to, to other people that hasn't had the opportunity that I've had, and I have a platform now that I can reach out and touch people globally, and I strive to bring them important messages that can enhance their lives. That I feel good about. Got it. So you, I, I hear you say you serve yourself, but you're really serving others. By the way, the fact that well, you maybe I'm, maybe you maybe I'm not put, maybe thing. I'm not saying that uh, in, in in the right way or as uh, professional as maybe I should, but I, I I say that knowing what I what I mean in my heart. But you know, I think about doing certain things for yourself in order to put yourself to position to do these other things to serve and help others. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. If if you're not in that, if you haven't done enough or not in a position to serve, I, if you don't put food on the table, you may not be able to have 
you know, the energy to serve. You don't have a place to live. Right? I hear I mean, there, there's there, a lot of, a lot of people yeah. in this world in which we live, they really quick to want to call you selfish, and I'm sure you've heard it as well. Uh, you're selfish, you're selfish, you're selfish. But then you think about it, if you do everything for everybody else, give 100% of yourself all the, all the time, you know, there's nothing left for you to be able to do what you need to do to continue moving forward. I mean, there's, there's nothing left. And I see people do that all the time, you know. They give so much of themselves and they burn out, and then when they're no longer around, then people make all kind of horrible excuses for why that person's no longer with us. Hmm. That's interesting. So if people are followers of you or people are buying your services, what are they getting? What do they get excited about? Uh, The truth, honesty, because I bumped my head uh, enough times (laughs) where I can't have no room for no more hickeys. So they know when I speak, I'm saying what I mean and I mean what I say. Uh, With purely integrity, love that. Uh, that's been that's been one of my catchphrases for so long. It's it, it it bothers me when people say something and they don't mean it when they say it. So is it is it is it the try to wrap my arms around this? So, so you've gone through the school of hard knocks. Definitely. You've made a lot of mistakes. You've done a lot of good things, and and you want to share and help people with education with what? With life. Yeah. By living vicariously through your knowledge or vicariously through your experiences or vicariously through your money? I, I would probably say through my life and through my experiences, which all kind of led me to where I am today. Yeah. I mean, we all are a product of our environment to some extent. You know, we just have to uh, uh, pick and choose, uh, to use your words, what's what's right. I would say I actually agree with you. One of the things that I find most fascinating is most people's superpower is something they had a problem with when they were younger. And so they were presented with a really interesting opportunity when they were younger, and it bothered them enough that they spent their life crafting a tool set and an approach to actually help others with that. And it's kind of fascinating. I, I've not done a, I've not done enough research on that, but that that seems to be a very interesting trend that I'm finding. <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm laughing, Mitchell, because. I told one of my uh, one of my friends that I grew up with. I told him that I'm shy, and he said, <laughs> and he thought that was the funniest thing. He said, "I know you're going to be shy, and you're an actor." Oh, there are many actors who are introverts, right? Well, I remember the first time that uh, I, I sang in front of an audience. And I had that particular feeling. I got, I can make two choices: either I can come here and open my mouth, or I can run off the stage. Mm. That was that. That was that moment. 
So I'm thinking we're going to have a hard time coming up with a single CPOP for you at the moment. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still putting my, I'm still putting my arms around that, but we can take this. We can take, we could definitely take this offline. And what I, it's what I have to think about when I talk to the, those I'm interviewing, it's, it's kind of who's the audience that they're attracting that are paying them money for some product or service. All right. And, and the thing that's fascinating when you're thinking about that is then what are they, what are they actually paying for? Right. What is it that they want? What is it that they need? Uh, You know, I've got next week um, starting on Monday. So starting tomorrow, I've got a five day challenge uh, that we're running. It's called break through the noise to be seen and heard. Um, And and the way, the way people do these, the five day challenges these days, um, it is, Typically, they range from less than 100 bucks to zero, and you're getting exposed to the person who's the expert for five days where they're giving you um, things or thoughts to, to, uh, to think about. And, they, and in a five-day period, you, could, you, you can do enough, and you could change yourself enough that you end up, um, you end up going, hey, I want more. And so that's one of the things we're we're doing next week. It's it's uh, I'm not, I'll bet you if you just Google the name, um, or if you go to credibilitynation.com, you'll see it. So for Credibility Nation members, it's free. Otherwise, it's forty seven dollars. And and it really is. It's a uh, we've done this once before. I'm doing it with a guy who runs operations for the Pokemon company. And uh, he and I have so much fun. And it's a half hour a day. Um, in terms of what we're talking about. And then, you know, you could take as much time as you need to on the, on the homework. Um, and uh, we guarantee by the end of the week, you're going you're gonna to have a completely updated uh, mindset on at least one area in terms of how people see you and, and how they interact with you. And, uh, and so I love doing that. So I, I, I think, I think the, the thing I, I'd love to spend a little bit of energy on with with you at some point in time, whether it's live now or some other time, is is this construct of being able to articulate at a high level. Um, I'd love to be able to do that with you. Oh, fantastic. I definitely look forward to that, Mitchell. You know, um, I awesome. We could always definitely do that. We're definitely going to stay in contact with each other, as we have been. But I want to jump on this one really quick, Mitchell, because I'm definitely going to come back to you on that one. The difference between like uh, a, a cred reel and a, and a speaker sizzle, sizzle reel. <laughs> yeah, so one of the things that, you know, you, you, you've seen all these speakers, right? And, and, and you, go to, you go to a web page or, or you look at, uh, somebody who proclaims to be a, a professional in a particular area, and you get to their website, and you see him speaking on all these large stages, and and you know, to me, all they're doing is is grabbing a, a reel of their best of. There's not really much being said on the inside. You don't know the impact of what they're delivering, and and even if they're really good in front of a couple hundred or a couple thousand people. You know, what are the action items they're taking away? What, you know, besides firing somebody up for a single period of time, what do they learn? What, what 
I don't necessarily like about a sizzle reel is just the fact of just listen to the name. It's about artificially constructing a period of time where, where that person gets to sizzle. And once again, you don't know if they're sizzling with who they are all the time or who they are part of the time or who they really want to be because they've, they, they paid enough money for a firm to, to make them look great. And, and, and that's, what a, that's what a sizzle reel is, a speaker sizzle reel. Um, during the interviews, and, and I was able to uh, – I'm now over 580, right? And so during the interviews, and particularly the 500, I was able to fine-tune a series of questions. And, and nowadays what we do is, is, is my interview has five questions in five minutes. So, so imagine – Unlike this interview, which, by the way, I love long interviews, but imagine being able to go to a website and see a video clip that's five minutes or less, and you get to know, like, and trust somebody. It doesn't mean you're going to buy from them right away. What it means is you get to see who they are. You get to see, you know, what they stand for, what they've done. You get to essentially see their credibility. And if you could do that in five minutes, what's really nice about that is – you can quickly make a decision as do I like this person or do I not like this person? Because if somebody's shown you exactly who they are and something doesn't feel good for you, I have to tell you the person who has created for me, if you see my cred reel or any of the stuff I do and it doesn't resonate with you, I am perfectly fine that we don't do business together today. Maybe we will sometime in the future, but you're not the right prospect for me today. And there's so much opportunity and so many places for people to go and people to grow and people to learn and people to interact with. You might as well make sure you're interacting with the people that you like, whether or not you're, you're servicing customers and getting paid for it or whether or not you're paying for a service. You might as well hang around people that you actually enjoy. And, and so the, the cred wheels construct is really simple. The way I look at it, I think about my, my last job before, before um, uh, doing what I do as an entrepreneur was, was in 1997. I was running the e-commerce component of Sun Microsystems supply chain, which is $3.5 billion. And, and so I was able to sort of see inside purchasing departments. And, and I'll just tell you, the typical purchasing cycle when you're buying, you know, millions of dollars worth of product is, is you're going to go out and you're going to try to find 10 different uh, suppliers who could, apply, who could supply the service. You can then have criteria with those suppliers and you're going to narrow that list down to somewhere around three. And then you're going to have conversations with the three and you probably will hire two of them because you always want a second source. So what I think about is if you looked at a cred reel of me and, and 10 of my peers and I didn't make the cut, hey, man, I was definitely not the right person for you, and that's great. What I would like to say is, is you're going to look at a cred reel with me or any of the people we do business with, and the goal is to get to be one of those three, right? That's what, to me, what a cred reel says if you can get to know, like, and trust somebody in five minutes, 
you, you at least deserve to have that person at the table to be one of the three you decide if they're going to get the job. And so to me, that's what a cred reel is. It's being so transparent on who you are and who you serve and how you serve people and the credibility you have to do your job that somebody says, how do I not have, and fill in the blank, but in this case, how do I not have Mitchell Levy at the table? Wow, that's powerful. I'm thinking about all that you're saying that a cred reel does. Um, trust, trust. Let me throw this one at you. People that you attempted to do business with are possible uh, new prospects. One of the first things that come out of your mouth is that you could trust me. How do you look? I at that? say that even though. I say that even though I'm not supposed to say that. Uh, is that the question, that you're not supposed to say it? Give me a, a little, well, question, well, a little bit more. I can just say how I, – I, I think I could – I can just tell you how it affects me. Um, and, and maybe it's – I may have become a little jaded over the years, you know, but people say, oh, man, you could trust me, you could trust me, I'm going to do this. I would almost rather them say that you can't trust me. Because I have a relationship. Well, yeah, at least I I know now we're doing good business. Because I know that that you know if we do business for any period of time and we never have any issues, you know I I know myself I could trust you. You don't have to say that to me. You know, it, it, right. it, trust to me is is built. You know, I mean, I'll trust you, but, you know, just because you say it, you know, I may look at you, my eyes might open up a little bit more because you told me I can't. I mean, because you really don't have to say that. Just do whatever we agree upon, how we say we're going to do it, when we say we're going to do it, and I'm fine with that. And that's not to say that you won't get me down the road, because you still may, but at least I'm comfort comfortable on the way there because we've never had any situations where I had no reason not to trust you. That was the So, um, I... I, well, you did a really phenomenal job of answering answering the question. I mean, you, thank you. <laughs> I like it. You can keep asking questions and answering them, and I'll just hang out and go I wasn't so, supposed to do that, Mitchell. You were supposed to do that. <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I think, you know, it's so interesting, the arbitrary relationship we put on everything and everybody, right? And it, 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 just because the, the role is your – uh, you're interviewing, and I'm supposed to be the expert to interview, you know, be the interviewer of. You know, if you say, say something powerful, the answer is yes. Your audience who knows you is going to trust you more. So I'll I'll tie together two things you said. First thing you said, which which fits in well, is you talked about integrity. Uh, say what you do and do what you say. And if you've demonstrated to those people around you that you say what you do and you do what you say over time, uh, you don't have to say trust me. I, and, and the problem is we say these words because it's part of it's been it's entered the nomic. I still catch myself saying that, and I and I kind of slap myself in the head and said, "Why did I say that?" I mean, because <laughs> no matter no matter what you do in terms of when you say those words, it's not what you say; it's what you do. It's how you do it. It's how you execute. And so, you know, I I particularly like. Uh, I'm going to bring it back to the interviews. It comes down to, and, and it's one of those questions I, I often get. I, I've got one of the things I, I have, which is fascinating. I, 
got a YouTube channel where where I essentially am asking answering as many credibility questions as I can in ten minutes once a week. So if you just went to uh, it's called Dear Dear Credibility Expert and uh, it's it's at the uh, Credibility Nation channel uh, on YouTube. And and one of the questions I've answered there, um, and still get asked all the time is, do I need a PhD to be credible? And the answer is no, <laughs> not at all. Um, you know the 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 thing that's interesting is having a whether or not you have the PhD uh, in book knowledge or the PhD in the school of hard knocks. Um, if I have a choice of which one I want. I mean, unless it's a doctor or a dentist or somebody where, you know, the profession requires it, but I have a choice of whether or not you're book smart or learning smart based on experience. I weren't learning smart based on experience. So you shouldn't have to say, uh, let's say a great example, you, you bring a pair of shoes into a cobbler, right? And, and you, you ask the cobbler, can you fix this? And if they say, oh, I have a PhD in fixing shoes, of course I can, right? Like, Trust me, I have a PhD in fixing school. You're not going to trust that person. Whereas the person said instead, I have seen about a thousand pairs of shoes like this, and in 950 times, I've not been able to fix it. But if you want to pay me, I may be able to fix it, and you may be one of the 50, but I can't guarantee. Now, tell me how you would feel about that person. And, and to me, as the way I set that up is I feel great about that person. Right, because if they come great. back and I, said, "Yeah, okay, I think I'd feel, I think I'd feel greater, Mitchell, if you told me it'd be twenty dollars. Come back in two hours and get your shoes." Oh, I don't, I don't disagree. But what if, what if, what if it really was? And, and I've occasionally had a, a, a pair of shoes that I just have loved, and and it was, you know, I'd bring it in and I get that twenty dollars fix and. And at one point in time, I think this is actually a real scenario, um, I, it hit the point where it was like, I don't think we could fix it anymore. <laughs> right? I, I think it's hit the point of no repair. Um, and, and I heard a scenario like that. Wouldn't you rather do, you know, I guess the question becomes, do you want somebody to tell you, oh, yeah, guarantee, trust me, I guarantee you could fix it. And, of course, they, then they get in a situation and it breaks because it just sometimes it will. Or if they actually told you up front, I've, I've been there, I've done this enough, that there's a good chance it's not going to work. You want me to keep doing it. Yeah, and, I, and to I me, would, it's that, that latter thing, right? I, yeah, I would, I, would, I, would oppose, I would go for that latter one under that context. The only the thing that I would just mention, though, for a guy to give you the short response, like just tell you how much to come back and how much it's going to cost and come back in a couple hours only to say that that would demonstrate to me some air of confidence and surety that he's going to be able to do it. Yeah, so so good question. You come back in a couple of hours and they go, "Oh, sorry, I never got to it. Don't have time. Didn't have time. Don't." How does that make you feel? I wouldn't feel too good about that because I feel like you wasted my time and this is your business and this is what you do and you know your uh, your workload, so you should have known that before you let me leave my stuff. Exactly. So why would people want to make that promise in the first place if you can't keep it? And so if you're listening to this and you take one thing away from this call, don't make a promise you can't deliver. 
don't keep crying wolf and don't produce the wolf. One of my favorite statements. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's a great, that's a great line. That's don't great. keep crying wolf and don't produce the wolf because you will lose your credibility. You'll get to a point where people will not listen to nothing you have to say. It doesn't matter. They want to hear it. it. It's just nothing. So don't do it. Produce the wolf. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> sure enough. So, Mitchell, what's next on the store for you, man? you got so many things going, too, so I, I don't even want to go back toward your C-pop because you got a lot of stuff going on. So. Uh, no, it's, what, it's, it's, you know, I I used to say the same thing, too, right? Like like when people would say, Mitchell, what do you do? I, I'm looking to see who's there. I'm trying to figure out, of in your case, and of the nine things that, I, that I'm involved with, which might be ro- more relevant to them. Right, and I used to do that world, and I think I have what came out of the interviews is a life mission for me, um, and I've never, I've never had a, I, you know, I've started twenty companies in Silicon Valley, and and I've always had fun, I've had fun doing doing the following, I, I find a client or a customer base that's having an issue, and I either solve it directly or there's somebody I want to partner with. And, and what we often do is we'll, we'll start a company. And, and by starting the company, what I really mean is we, we go to service the client. We pick up the first client and we go to service them. We have a general agreement that we're going to split profit, whatever that means. And in nine times out of ten, um, what, what's going to happen is how does your partner interact with, the, with your client when, when shit hits the fan, when it doesn't work well? Who, how does your client uh, act with your with, – with, I'm sorry, how does your partner act with your client? And nine times, times out of ten, I, I picked right, and they did the right thing. In, in that one time out of ten, it doesn't. It's like, well, I don't want to do any business with this person anymore, right? And, and once, once, I, once they pass that test, a, we get the first client. B, we, we have fun delivering for the first client. Uh, then we do the contracts and, build, and, and actually put the, the company in place. And I've done, I've done that over 20 times. So for me, though, I've been able to do that. And what happens typically, you know, at the end of a company's life, um, I either sell it or it just – I let it expire because the, the, the client base is not worth spending the time to go after or the prospect base no longer becomes go, worth going after. What came out of the interviews is the absolute – I guess the, the, the fundamental concern at a large level that our humanity has gotten worse and worse over the last number of decades, that – that we keep wanting that person to come into our lives and change the world for us that, that just the right things happen, that we, are, that, that we feel that the, the world's moving in the, in the positive direction. And, and the way I see it, I've got a 23-year-old, and I'm, I'm uncomfortable with the world that he's living in today. I'm uncomfortable with, with the direction it feels like it's going. And so my bigger picture, my bigger focus is, is to tip the scale between those in the world which are credible and those in the world which are not. And so what's next for me, at the moment, you know, I've got the, I've got the book. It's called Credibility Nation. I have a TED Talk. 
um, which which uh, it's been out for a month and it has over thirty thousand views. So I'm happy with that. And, uh, and I want to get to a million. Tell everybody, Mitchell, tell everybody how they can get in contact. Which I'm sorry to jump in here, but we're down to the last minute or so of the show. But I want everybody to know how they can get in touch with you. So give them that information. Yeah, go to go to credibilitynation.com. So in essence, it's it's the way it sounds, credibilitynation.com. Uh, feel free to, to sign up as a member. Um, it's $10 a month. Uh, there are some membership packages or places you go where you get the first month free. And uh, there's it's always easier to interact and, and get a hold of me there. I'm also on social media uh, wherever you need. So it's Mitchell Levy. But it's Credibility Nation, and that's where my focus is, is to help make the world a more credible place to interact in. Wow, that's been great, Mitchell. It's always been great talking to you, very educational, powerful, and you know the door is always open here for you. Come back anytime, man. I love the conversation, man. Appreciate you much. I appreciate it. I so appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. I've enjoyed it as well. I appreciate your talk. Never never had a conversation like this before, so this is good. Thank you. I appreciate it. Love it, man. Hey, good what they say, good brains, good minds, man, stimulate each other, man. Definitely feel stimulated. Exactly. Exactly. So old, Sounds great. For those of you that joined the show late, it is available in its entirety worldwide. About one minute. Uh, if you're having problems, ask your mama, ask your daddy, ask your neighbor across the street, the man working at the gas station, or your milkman. Somebody can tell you how you can hear the show. And as always, thank you. We feel very blessed for you taking the time to listen to us. And we will be back next week, same time, 2.30 PST. Love you much and blessings. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.